This is Shaka Wart Speak. Stratton. Oh. I know. <laughs> Marissa Stratton. Uh, doesn't gonna, sound like an artist's name. I feel I feel that about my name, Ryan Letario. I feel like that's more of an artist's name than mine, though. Gosh, mine is. Letario could be, but Ryan is like, hmm. Did you know that the two, there's two names that apparently on average um, register as like, like, it, how do you say it? The name connotates dumbness. <laughs> so people think the person's dumb, like intuitively. What names? Ryan and Brian. <laughs> Dude, I've never felt that uh, way. And, and here's the crazy thing, because Brian, a uh, mutual friend of ours, Brian, yeah. tall Brian. Yeah. So we've had this conversation. He's the one that told me this. I didn't know That's it. And funny. so I was like, whoa, man. And, and, and the thing is, whenever I introduce myself, I have, I've learned that I have to say it's Ryan with an R because as if you would say Ryan any other way, because invariably everybody hears it as Brian. That's funny. So Ryan with an R. Dude, it, it's the it's it's a whole set I mean, of dude, dumb. You got some mail recently that said Brian. It was addressed to Brian. <laughs> Nick Seitz sent me a book. <laughs> Uh, and it was addressed Brian Letaria. <laughs> Nick's known me for a decade now. So, as a joke, though, thanks, thanks, Nick, if you're listening right now. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you. Um, well, we're we're rolling, I guess. We're yeah, actually, we're rolling. We're actually here. And um, do we have any updates, Gareth? Anything? Anything that um, we need to update before we jump in? Oh. It's just kind of. I mean, what, what I, happened? I feel like when you ask that, like you would, you you know that there is one, and I'm I'm completely. <laughs> in the you know right what now. happened last week across the street. Oh, uh, you mean like with the show? Yeah. Well, we had the show, right? <laughs> and it was uh, it was pretty cool because um, the same Nick's dude, Nick yeah. Seitz, yep. um, spent some good time photographing a single subject from 840 different angles. Now, our gallery couldn't support that mm-hmm. across the street uh, in the studio gallery, but... Um, Probably because the other gallery was taken up with like 9 million pieces yeah because uh last week we um we hung over 520 individual pieces yeah for two shows it's unprecedented it is yeah we we got a really uh so check check instagram uh we got a sweet little prize uh from the the greater uh metropolitan art conference richmond uh, Richmond council yeah richmond and it's most art most art ever hung yeah with what from one gallery yeah it's pretty for, for a first friday opening it's a pretty oh, yeah. uh, pretty humbling award, award. Yeah. um we are happy to take it heartfelt <laughs> yep i mean I, I took it and ran and and um we're, we're gonna print t-shirts i think it'd be great yeah that, that's a great that's a great idea i think it's yeah. it's the only way to you know you gotta you get that honor get everywhere just everywhere yep yeah, so so, so, great yeah, show. so that show happened and uh that show is up. Yeah, that so show's up. You need to come see it. And we uh we actually just got some books in, so the show actually has more pieces in it now than it yes. did at the opening because yep. of delayed printing. Yep. Which was supposed to be part of the show. So that yeah. means you missed something that now you need to come see. Gotta come back. In our main space, mm-hmm. we had another show. Did we? It was a, yeah, I don't know. It's a year, year in the making, maybe. Uh huh. Somewhere. Year, like year and a half. Year and a half. Year and a half in the making because it was a COVID year and a half. In the I was making. about to say because the talk was happening when Marissa right was COVID. actually in a real class that I was teaching, where she Whoa. was sitting in a place mm. with wow. other people, and was actually in a show across the street when our yeah, first yeah. before COVID, we were just getting rolling on the space and and doing these group shows, and it was like an exciting time. And Marissa bought the brought these tiny little paintings in, 
And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, we had to like shut the doors. People were bum rushing to get them off the walls. That's right. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it was kind of a strange thing to see like that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a flea market. People were like, mm, I got to yeah. have one. I got to have one. <laughs> um, and they're still like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. But so we had another show. Yeah. Um, uh, my Screen Time. Yep. With Marissa Stratton. And uh, Marissa is a good friend of ours. Uh, and we've had the pleasure of knowing Marissa for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, had the pleasure of knowing Marissa in in drawing class and open drawing studio and some other things. Um, and so Marissa, um, launched this giant exhibition. Mm -hmm. How many, how many pieces do we have in that show? 88 pieces. 88 pieces. But some of those pieces, it's misleading because some of the pieces are multiple pieces. Yeah. Some of the pieces are multiple panels and multiple, multiple (laughs) you know, <laughs> multiple times over panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're here to talk about that show, her solo show. Yeah. Um, so welcome, Marissa. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. We're excited to have you. Marissa's not nervous at all. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so Marissa, I mean, we want to get into your, um, just where you're at, where you're coming from, yeah, and, yeah. and then get into the show. Um, and it's definitely one mm-hmm. that you have to see. Um, and so we'll get into more of that in the tail end of this podcast, mm. but, um, we both had the pleasure of working with you and getting to know mm-hmm. you. And, um, so we're really honored and excited to both show your work and have you here. Yeah. Um, Dr. Snack smell even was thinking <laughs> yeah. about bringing some extra snacks. Did you, you didn't do that? Did you? No, I, so I ate some before I left the house and then I just grabbed some here in the studio. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, ne- never mind then. So um, I was like, maybe we should crack open those special snacks. Man, I don't have them right yeah. now. But I can go grab He's, some snacks. You know snacks. how Scooby Doo has snacks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Scooby snacks. <laughs> Dr. Snacksmell has, um, they're called snack smells. I and love that. Yeah. I got a, a <laughs> dude, yeah, it's, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, go back. No, you don't even have those recordings. Never mind. We, we deleted that stuff. Never mind. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. So. <laughs> The problem is, Marissa, you've walked into like a weird podcast <laughs> where we are emerging dad joke tellers. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's funny to us, but it's not funny to people. <laughs> but we also... It's funny to watch. It's <laughs> funny to watch. Okay, good. Yeah. We don't mind it, though. Like, I mean, we're okay with people not liking it. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry for that. No, I'm sorry okay. for that. That's I'm okay. not. So I'm um, not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not at all. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I mean, there's a couple of things. I, I feel like you are um, incredibly focused, incredibly focused. And um, there's like a kind of a, a baseline persistence at a high level. And so, um, I mean, right away, you know, people always ask like of artists like that, especially like coming out of college, when you see that over and over again, it's not something that anybody's imposing on you. Mm-hmm. It's something that you are driving. Yeah. And so you'll see other people that maybe don't have that. Mm-hmm. And they'll, I, I don't know if you've ever been asked it, but like, uh, I've had other students where they're asked like, where does it come from? Like, yeah, how, are you, yeah. how are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, and so I, I'm interested in knowing your mindset yeah, as yeah. the, as the actual person, but Maybe, you know, we like to, we haven't done an interview in a while. And so we, yeah. we've always loved doing the, the origin yeah, story. Yeah. And so um, how far can you go back and, and what's your connection to art? Like how far can you go back and how, yeah, how did you get yeah. started? I mean, I think it's always been a part of my life. I feel like every artist says that. Mm-hmm. But I think my love for painting and drawing comes from like this intense curiosity and just like an interest in other things like a like an investment in other things, just like a 
a need to like know things and observe them and kind of spend time with them. But in terms of where it started, I don't even know. I mean, I moved around a lot as a kid. So almost every two years, we moved to a new place. So I lived in Japan and Germany and Alabama. (laughs) But um, I don't know. I needed something to kind of keep me grounded, I think, Mm. in that kind of interest in art was my constant, I guess. Um, So that's how it started. But I don't know what was kind of continuing that, Mm -hmm. like, obsession. Were you, so was it like, uh, I mean, were you the kind of kid that was drawn at five years old? Yeah, I was always drawing, man. I mean, my drawings were so detailed when I was a little kid. They were Mm -hmm. just very kind of whimsical, um, kind of very invested in like world building. Um, So when I went to high school, it was like never a question, like what I was going to do after high school. I just knew. Did you have that affirmation from like your family? Like, did like was there teachers or other people that were like, "Oh, Marissa's the you know how that happens." Like, Marissa's the artist. Or yeah, well, I mean, I'm a twin, so you know, ever since I was little, I've been categorized like my whole life. Mm. So I mean, it's something I've embraced because it has forced me to kind of make my own person. Like, um, my sister is very athletic, mm-hmm. so she's always known as like the athlete. And I'm and I'm the artist. So, I mean, it's like it's like double A right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sucks to be like, oh, I can't like be an athlete. I can't. But tried? Like, <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. It doesn't work for me. How, did that, how does that happen? Like we're your twins, but one's like, I don't know. It's interesting. It definitely happened with my kids. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's like <laughs> genetics or like we're both very disciplined. So mm-hmm. I think. It didn't matter what we were going to do. We were going to like mm. take it and be like really disciplined about it. Now, do you, do you see that in your, did you see that in your parents? Like do you, is your, oh, are your yeah. parents disciplined? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or For focused? sure. Yeah. My dad, he went to um, the Air Force Academy. So okay. he's just, I mean, my, both my parents were in the military. Gotcha. So they're just kind of entrenched in like discipline and um, this kind of, a kind of morality in the way they live and work. Mm. So like an know. ethic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah There's like yeah, this code right. or something. I mean, I don't think I would make it in the military at all. <laughs> I'm very like, I'm a very timid person naturally. So like, I just, I wouldn't make it at all. I feel like you made it in the military by being their kid. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're essentially part <laughs> yeah. of the military. So like, you know, maybe that's it, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I definitely like, my whole childhood was like, kind of determined by the military and where they would take us. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of just been in this weird little, oh, I don't know where life is taking me, but I'll, I'll go and figure it out. Yeah. Did I was going to say, I think that that idea of discipline is interesting. And it, it makes me think like, did you like, even as a kid with like your drawing was there, can you look back and almost see like signs of that discipline, like in your early drawing and the interest in art? I don't think it was a discipline. I think it was like genuine curiosity and in like an escape from mm, yeah maybe i don't know because when you move around a lot it's like nothing is the same mm-hmm. all the time so it's like building your own little kind of reality to kind of compensate for that mm-hmm. so it's create stability in your own mind yeah it sounds like you're yeah it's like almost like art art is anchoring you or lo- yeah, is situ- yeah. situating you it always right? has yeah it always has and i think that's what's gonna 
get me through my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, when you were, when you were, was it, was it observational or was it just Mm -hmm. purely imagination? Like, so when you say like, were you focusing and then like translating and just like tuning out or were you like drawing the stuff you saw? I mean, I think it was a mix of both. I think I was a very like observant child Mm -hmm. and that informed kind of these really whimsical, weird little drawings that I made. But as I went into high school, it was all observation. Mm -hmm. Like I just started like getting obsessed with like drawing, you know, musicians I loved or like eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. we all like go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there was definitely a shift at one point where it became purely observational. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. Like all through high school and at the end of middle school, it was all intense observational drawing. It wasn't good, but like. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? So then, so then, with the the observational thing, you know, there's a um, depending on where you're at, that's either seen as like great or it's seen as like boring. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you de- contending with? I mean, because for me, this leads into what you're doing. Yeah. So were you contending with issues of con- contemporariness and like? you know um what is an artist and where's your self-expression and you know or were people just Mm -hmm. like that's amazing Marissa like yeah I mean honestly I I think it was just purely from people accepting and validating me for being good at something Mm -hmm. you know like I think when I was a child it was what I really wanted from it Mm -hmm. and so drawing observationally like gave me that Mm -hmm. I was like oh people can relate to this people understand this Mm. And I don't know. Um, so it was definitely not driven by like, I don't know. It's it's really weird mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah. I don't know. It was, a, it was like the my need for art has changed. You know, the what, what I get from it has sure. changed. But I think in middle school, it was definitely like an easy thing for me to do to look at something and then draw it and if it doesn't look like it i did it wrong mm-hmm. you know yeah so that was a way for me to kind of just like construct this um education for myself yeah like a metric that, yeah yeah you can yeah. educate yourself to different different plateaus yeah um did you have any other artists in your family no so you're, you're the no. first first gen yeah it's a little yeah. weird my parents are so supportive they are and they just kind of they i i love them because they don't kind of impart their own non-artistic opinions on my like um career Mm -hmm. so i have a lot of friends who their parents just don't understand yeah they're like why don't you have a job you need to get a job yeah but art jobs aren't you know they aren't put online yeah you know it's really it's a really non-linear kind of yep lifestyle so my parents have always just been like You'll do what you need to do. You'll you'll figure it out. They seem. I mean, they're they're really great from yeah. from getting to meet them and your mom's mm. a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, she's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they were just like so seems so proud. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they just kind of step back and yep. let me do my thing, and they don't kind of encroach on my mm-hmm. space or my, you know. You don't have to justify it so much. Did you have, when did you, did you, did you come across artists that, um, you, you saw as like a muse or a source of inspiration? Mm, I don't think until later in high school, maybe Mm -hmm. I was always interested in art history though. Mm -hmm. I know in third grade when I lived in Alabama, my 
teacher gave me a book of artists and she kind of like isolated me from everyone else she was like oh you're the good one and so she gave me this book of artists and that was like the first time I kind of was I I saw artists and history and stuff and I've been kind of obsessed ever since so I don't think I had one artist I was really in love with until like now (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. so like kind of cultivated that later yeah yeah so talk about um going into college like so Mm. you're you're heavy more are you were you you coming out of high school were you more heavily invested in drawing oh my gosh yeah yeah i really had no experience well i never oil painted until sophomore year of college so my portfolio was all drawing Mm -hmm. um drawing was just really convenient for me and it was just my obsession at the time you Mm -hmm. know and by obsession unpack that what does that mean like brass tacks that like what's um, that look like i was always just like i need to be better than you know the last drawing Mm -hmm. um and that kind of obsession was i think it was helped by like social media because i would see i would expand kind of the artists i was looking at all the time it was constantly changing um so putting all of that in my feed to see every single day was like crazy i improved like insanely in Mm. um like high school and college because i was just like seeing the art i wanted to make i was like this is i don't know it was really inspiring so i think that kind of propelled me forward wow that's interesting Mm. i haven't heard i haven't heard anybody else say that before well now it's different but yeah now it's it's kind of an important uh note in kind of that there's probably a generation of people though yeah that i mean because i look at there's like things on and i'm sure like there's things on youtube um mm-hmm. that if i had access to youtube like just from like like art and sports mm-hmm. so like i did both like if i hadn't if if youtube existed and it was showing what i have access to when i was a teenager mm-hmm. i would invariably be better because yeah. there is a thing about seeing someone else do something that mm-hmm. helps you believe it's possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's actually, there's some studies out there. This is really weird, but there's some studies that show that we have neurons in our brain that actually learn how to do things by watching other people mm-hmm. do them. Yeah. So it's not even, we don't even have to be engaged fully in the act. Mm-hmm. So like there is actually something from watching Bob Ross paint. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. even if you got no skills, you yeah. know, you just got some yeah. afternoons sitting around. It's super, super silly example, but like I had a spud web poster on my wall. Yeah, dude. Full life size. So I would stare at that and I watch VHS tapes of him dunking. And, I, and, and by 10th grade, I could dunk. But mm-hmm. it's because I could see someone that mm-hmm. was under six feet tall doing it because I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. that could do it. But it was like, so there's something to that. Yeah. That's why I say like, oh my gosh, if I, if I oh, could see all that it's happening now, it's, it's everybody can do that. Or like you look at dancing, like anything, like skateboarding, bicycling, dancing, all these things that kind of emerged. And, and the arts, like there's so many tutorials. There's so many mm-hmm. people they just kill it with like world yeah. building and in like comic book illustration, like um, painting techniques. Cla- I mean, there's like videos yeah. that are like 40 hours long mm-hmm. yeah. where if you're down to watch someone just carve away at a figure, you can. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny when you watch some of those. I, I remember watching them and trying to understand like what they were doing. I was like, I don't understand. So, yeah. I mean, the only way I figured most things out was just doing it. Yeah. Observing and doing it just mm-hmm. like over and over and over again. Yeah, I think I think that's part of. I mean, I think that's a you know that's why I asked the question about obsession because mm-hmm. I'm like you have to keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, it's not. A, I did it. I got it. Yeah, it's it, never like that. No, 
And I think people, you know, even uh, college students uh, coming in, um, uh, oftentimes don't get that. Mm -hmm. They really don't don't understand that because there's not like a download app. Like yeah. yeah, like it just there just isn't there isn't until someone does it, and I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of interface technology that allows people to acquire a skill artificially. But um, I know on the design side of things, like it's already so much easier oh, than it yeah. was when I when I jumped in. Yeah, I mean, think back twenty plus years ago, mm-hmm. starting college, and the things that we were taught. I would never teach a student now because yeah. I don't have any need to. Because now it's just a click. Well, yeah, I mean, I saw I was doing illustration out of high school and four clients and uh, there was no Photoshop. There was no Illustrator. Mm. I mean, it was just, yeah, there was, there was no filters. There was like, oh, I need to harmonize this image yeah. by running a super thin cobalt blue wash over everything that you almost can't see. So that unites the picture plane. Mm. Like, you know, you just pop a filter. I don't know. Yeah. It's just different now, you know? Yeah. Um, and there was risk because you mess up three months worth of work. Yeah. You're done. I mean, that's what's amazing about working small. So I could kind of improve way faster painting mm-hmm. these small paintings. Yeah. Um, because there's no kind of, there's no attachment to it. Mm-hmm. It's quick. And if you mess up, it's okay. But if you notice something that wasn't there before, then you can just take that forward mm-hmm. in the next painting. Well, that gets into, that gets into some of the things I want to talk about, about mm-hmm. painting. So go go with drawing for a minute. So how do yeah. you how do you how do you shift from drawing to painting then? Because I mean I I I had you I know I know yeah I mean, you were good coming in and you got better when you left yeah my, like my class. yeah I mean so you were already good mm-hmm. and you got better. So mm-hmm. how how did that how did that whole process going from drawing to how did that emerge? Like what what happened? I think well I was so obsessed with like academic drawing mm-hmm. by the end of your class um, and during like my first year of college. That's all I was looking at. That's the only art I was looking at. Um, Super academic, like traditional atelier drawing. Um, And I noticed they would make paintings too. So I was like, oh, this is like the natural step. I have to do this. Um, But the transition was a little, it was a little bumpy, but I just kind of threw myself into it. Um, Like I think the, the fourth painting I ever made in oil painting was like six by four feet. So I was like, well, I have to figure it out. (laughs) Um, But it's just weird looking back at my first oil paintings because they're very kind of hesitant. Mm -hmm. They're very kind of um, definitely really great drawings, but the paint quality isn't isn't there. It's like a drawing, but like. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Most people aren't painting that think Mm. they're painting. They're drawing with paint. Yeah. And that's the natural because so it's uh, avoiding painting. Mm. A lot. It's like so you default to drawing with paint. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's definitely what I was doing. That. Yeah. Um, I remember the first painting I did was of my twin sister, and it was just kind of gray. It was supposed to be full color, but it was gray, and I was like, ah, this this is a little gray, but I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? Like, how, what for you? Like, what what light bulbs went off? Like, what? when I kind of figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, with paint. I think it was just, I was using it so much. And I think um, my professor, Miguel Carter-Fisher, his color theory class that I took was like so important for my understanding of painting. We did the pastel class. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't even painting, but I feel like I learned how to paint with color in that class. It was just so, it changed my paintings. Mm -hmm. They went kind of from 
definitely really good drawings and good value structure, but the color was just kind of off. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, kind of brownish, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. But after that, my, my paintings became so vibrant. Mm -hmm. I think I just began to see my subjects in like full color spectrum. Like I didn't see any like, I don't know. It was like in your class learning how to draw, mm -hmm. you know? You have to see through kind of those built-in ideas of what we're looking at yep. with like a face. But yeah. I, I, it happened with like color Yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. Miguel, we've heard Miguel's pretty good. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. We, we actually, I'm actually going to uh, uh, his show tonight. Yeah, me too, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Taking, we're, Laura and I are doing a date night. Yeah. So shout out to Miguel. That yes. show will be up at Eric Schindler Gallery for I don't know how long. For a month. For a yeah. month. So you should see that show. Plug mm -hmm. plug for Miguel. Um and he's he's a he's a friend of ours and uh been on the podcast. So yeah, Miguel's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um so then so the yeah, so you get eyes to see color essentially. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you're getting full or knowing how to structure things, how to yeah, observe them, yeah. um, how to labor over them. Mm -hmm. And then and then what happens? Well, it's so funny thinking about like seeing color. I feel like in hyper observational work, there's like this contradictory thing that's happening. Like you're seeing it at its most core, like you're seeing values and colors, but you're looking at it for like six hours. You're mm -hmm. really looking at a person, but you're also seeing through them. Yeah. So it's like so interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But that's what I discovered painting like, you know a hundred portraits in the past year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So who, who at this point, who are you mm. looking at? Like, so in this juncture, say yeah. from your sophomore year till now, yeah. you're just graduated. Yeah. You're in this like space. Um, so then, so then is it, are you looking outside of the, uh, atelier like oh, academic? Yeah. I mean, at this point, oh, are you, yeah. Are you I feel like to... I've gone through like a full cycle of like, I, peaked at my like academic drawing phase mm -hmm. and then i'm like i think you did <laughs> on to the next thing like yeah. using those tools yep. to inform more kind of like contemporary ideas of painting mm -hmm. um which a lot of people that actually go through that training struggle to do yeah i mean that's I've the talked one to weakness people and i'm you become really stagnant i think really mm -hmm. just kind of still oh well i think you get used to this kind of like standard mm-hmm and then you can't break out of it. Yeah. So I'm looking at painters like Colleen Berry. Okay. She teaches in the atelier like style or whatever, but she's kind of breaking through that with the way she paints like form and color. It's like so beautiful. So she's someone I'm looking at like all the time. I just bought like a small sketch from her. Wow. And she's like my idol. Yeah. She's amazing. And um, where is she at? She's in New York. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um but yeah, I'm definitely looking at a lot of kind of traditional painters that kind of are extending this idea of like classical painting and drawing. Mm -hmm. And and how how is that being how how is it so being someone who has a high capacity for for drawing and seeing mm -hmm. and rendering in a in this contem contemporary moment mm -hmm. in academia and really um, yeah. you know universities of uh, very famous university mm. a lot of people come there there's yeah. a diversity of work being made there mm -hmm. um what kind of pressure are you feeling to at this time going through uh regarding what you can do and maybe what other people are doing and what they want to do or what mm. they value or don't value did you find there 
any any discontent uh, in in the context of being maybe a little more traditional? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I'm a communication arts major, or mm-hmm. I was, um, and that's mostly illustration. It's very kind of based in figurative art and kind of technical instruction, building up um, figure drawing and all of that. But the painting department, which is what I minored in, um, is more based in kind of critical theory and like um, conceptually thinking about your work. Um, And I think both are necessary. And I found that, you know, taking part in both departments was like amazing because I love talking about art and I love like talking about my art in the context of like all of art history Mm -hmm. as as kind of scary as that sounds but I personally I never felt pressure Mm -hmm. to not do like what I wanted but I think that's because I was so like so determined to Mm -hmm. just make work that I liked yeah 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 Mm -hmm. so you kind of commanded respect from Mm -hmm. caught your peers and and faculty and things like that yeah I think um kind of being like good at you know painting kind of gave me the confidence to make more risky decisions in my work and the way I talk about my work sure so why why figure figure yeah why the figure why oh, I just I love people yeah I I love people I find them like so interesting like I don't know I've always I've always drawn people mm-hmm. um I don't know there's something really like intimate about portrait and it's like that historically and I think now especially the way we present ourselves on social media is like it's so interesting I'm really just drawn to that Mm -hmm. um but I don't really know like why you Mm -hmm. know I think it's just I have to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting (laughs) no I think people are interesting like it's funny my grandparents uh just kind of like we always think about it's like this generation's really focused on, you know, people say things like this generation's really focused on seeing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, like my grandparents, when they, they moved to from Colorado to Venice beach during the great depression mm-hmm. and like they were 14 and 16. And so my grandpa built a house, you know, they're pursuing a better life or whatever. And uh, they grew up at the beach. And, and so a lot of interesting people yeah. hung around Venice beach. And, uh, so their thing constantly, I mean, for until my grandpa stopped driving was to go to the beach and people watch mm-hmm. <laughs> good place for it. Yeah. So it's funny. Cause it's like, you know, we, pe- we talk about like people scrolling, mm-hmm. you know, the screen or whatever and, uh, uh, voyeuristically observing each other. Yeah. But we've always kind of been doing that Yeah. because there was, you know, a lot of people that, and I don't know how that's changed, but that would just, and people watch and then you, you know, like even my mom and in, in, she grew up with my grandparents. So like my great grandparents. So mm. um, they were caring for her. And, and so she had a bit of that in her. So mm. like my mom every now and then would be like, we're just going to go sit at the mall and people watch. That yeah. was a category. My mom does the same. She loves yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't like in a derog. It wasn't like a mocking thing. It's yeah. Just because to your point, people are interesting. It's genuine mm. interest. Yeah. Genuine interest. And uh, I never thought about I actually haven't thought about that till right now. Yeah. Like, cause you're, cause you're saying people are interesting. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I guess that's, that's been there, you know, yeah. like there is something about, and then you you have to reconcile that with, it's not polite to stare. Mm. <laughs> well, that's what's so funny about like social media. You can just, you can stare. stare. And, I, and I did for, yeah. <laughs> you know, hundreds of hours. Yeah. Just painting portraits that were meant to be, you know, looked at for maybe half a second. Yeah. It's, 
really special to me. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really kind of strange and unique. Like only now mm-hmm. could that happen, I feel like. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes so maybe jumping into the show. I think that's what mm-hmm. makes the show really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk talk about that. I mean, because there's really unique things. Like maybe let's focus for a minute on the mm-hmm. Instagram. Work. Yeah, yeah. That was um, the first um, project I did. You know, two years ago, I think I started that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are all so there are these small paintings. They're each kind of six by three inches, and they're all sourced from Instagram stories. And you know, those images only last for like twenty four hours. And you kind of see them like rapid fire. Mm. Um, so I was just collecting those images and I started painting them. Um, and not with any kind of like conceptual framework in mind. It was just like, these are cool images. Why don't I paint them? Um, and you really are painting them like the size of my iPhone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They, um, really, they really are hand hand. Yeah, yeah. Paintings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it wasn't until I spent weeks and months painting them that I was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's, there's such an interesting conversation here in terms of like just historical documentation and the way we document things now, mm-hmm. kind of like constantly, mm. you know? So, so you start painting them and then what's the response? What kind of, what kind of feedback are you getting? Um, it was all just like really positive. Um, and it, the moments I created by like painting them and then putting them back on social media was like so weird and special. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the first one I painted, I asked the person like, do you mind if I paint this? And they were like, no, I don't mind. Um, but then I stopped asking. And just started doing it. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And it creates like, so many weird moments where people are like, you just painted me. And I don't know why. <laughs> and it was just so exciting. I think yeah. for me, it brought this new excitement in like social media. Was there like a moment, a memorable moment, like one that just stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, I think the first one, my friend posted, my friend Kyle like posted a picture and it was that night mm-hmm. and it was like him at a McDonald's or something. And I was just like, this image is so cool. Like, the lighting is amazing. I have to paint this. Right. Yeah. So, um, so what what was the most unusual response you've gotten uh, from someone like painting these? Um. Well, it's usually very positive, but someone, one person, was very confused. I posted it, and he didn't. He saw it. He didn't say anything for hours. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, nice." Mm-hmm. but there was like no like he was just confused i think um but that was probably the most interesting response yeah yeah um, usually it's just like excitement and like like joy i don't know i think especially during quarantine it was like a really nice moment to share with people some people i didn't even know mm-hmm. so it was just it was just really nice i think so i'm guessing when you're when you're selecting someone mm-hmm. it's an intuitive thing yeah, it's purely based on if I like the image, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of close friends and a lot of people I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, is it worth painting? You know, do I see it as interesting visually? Mm-hmm. Will it be an interesting painting? So then also the size. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I get the size, but I'd love to hear you. Like what what determined the size for you? I mean, because they I really think are it was like just, cell phone size. It made sense to me to just make it phone sized because I had never seen that before. Yeah. And I was like uh, imagining it as multiples. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's such a, 
like simple and kind of small but really grand gesture you mm-hmm. know yeah it's kind of like a quiet like ambitious you know gesture i think yeah i think that, i think mm-hmm. that's it it's like it's like high ambition mm-hmm. and and in the it's like um in the non-heroic way mm-hmm. or yeah. the or not the non-heroic but the way painting is often thought about is mm-hmm. heroic when it scales up yeah it's sort of like a, a ambitious heroic scaling down yeah i mean the paintings i was making before those were pretty big yeah they were all pretty big kind of multi-figurative compositions and they're all very physically demanding and Mm -hmm. just kind of exhausting to create i think um especially at the level i was i feel like um i don't know it was just a lot and i was kind of tired of that Mm -hmm. so i think by going small it gave me so much freedom and just kind of and then the content was all there for me so mm-hmm. i wasn't kind of worried about composing or like all of this um so it just became like pure repetition pure like practice mm-hmm. really but still within this kind of conceptual idea that like holds it all together mm-hmm. so you're you know you're making these small paintings and they're you know which is not to de- not a demeaning thing they're just mm, really there's a certain kind of demand to that though mm. you know a certain uh acuity like especially coming out of being a really technically sound drawer mm. and so um you have to let a certain amount of information go it feels like yeah in order to, order to make yeah. these paintings i think that was perfect for me because mm. um i think as i was getting bigger you know making bigger paintings i was becoming a better painter but i couldn't keep up with the size i was like losing the paint quality that I liked or those moments that I really enjoyed. So making it smaller was like a way to really just focus, like hyper focus, but still allow myself to lose things in the process of painting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think when you get bigger, you can either just like really go in on the details or, you know, make it very gestural, but finding that like in between where there's detail, but it's maybe implied implied detail mm-hmm. i think was like so good for my i mean it, it, it like taught me how to paint i think yeah yeah so then so you have these constraints then you know so you're yeah. moving from big where mm. you know there's a, a ratio of like scale and control or mm. quality outcome like some some kind of uh, effect that feel kind of combo that you're you're after or you're conveying or making mm. and um that communicates and so now you're constrained to this three by six kind of feel, this frame. Mm. And that has constraints that are fr- freeing a certain amount of um, like uh, obsessive detail in the wrong. Mm. Like, uh, like some people, I think, would try to do what you're doing and obsess on details and tightness. Yeah, I've seen that in yeah. small work. I've yep. seen it and I'm uh, especially in drawing and a lot of painting when there's kind of no dimensional paint quality it's like a drawing Mm -hmm. but really hyper detailed in a really small painting and i was like i i can't do that the images are already so flat Mm -hmm. and i feel like we are constantly surrounded by flatness Mm -hmm. so as i was painting the instagram paintings i was like bringing the images into space by you know really heavily applying paint well not too heavily because it's so small but like building up textures and creating this new like landscape 
yep. the painting. And, you know, yeah, there's evidence of brush stroke. There's all these, and each one accumulates differently. Yeah. And so the diversity of uh, paint handling across 80 plus paintings, whatever, is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I have for you then is, is, was the time frame imposed or was that a natural occurrence to you painting and then they just coming to a critical point and it just happens to be it took three hours or yeah yeah I mean painting so many of them I just began to understand when I had to stop I think Mm. because you know being so small you could stop it in a maybe unconventional point you know because they're so small um because you can capture everything really quickly Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like how far do you want to go you know so I would just get to a point where I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like I have to stop. Um, but yeah, they would usually take three to five hours each, I think. Wow. Yeah. So with, with this moving from this kind of large scale and the small mm-hmm. scale and living there for a while, did you find that there was kind of any uh, difference in the experience you were having in the making as you moved Absolutely. into the smaller space? Absolutely. When I was painting the, Instagram paintings, I would sometimes hold them while I painted them. Mm. And so that just creates this weird, like, bond. You know, it's, <laughs> like, so cute. It's very, like, intimate. Yeah. Um, and it's so refreshing from, like, um, you know, being on your phone. Mm. It kind of mimics that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But it's a little bit more intimate because I'm constructing it, mm. you know, by, like, from scratch. So it's, like, this weird kind of caring that happens. Now, is there anything from that experience that you feel like could translate back into larger work? Like anything that maybe yeah, you learned from Yeah, I mean, the, the larger Zoom paintings in the show, um, I made those after doing, you know, like 50 Instagram paintings. Yeah. So they really informed my larger works. That's why the larger works are so textural. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like so much paint on there. And I couldn't have done that without the smaller paintings because I was a pretty stingy painter before Mm. um the small paintings like uh, it was very like watery it looked like watercolor the way I was oil painting um but now it's like yeah definitely not definitely does not look like like watercolor right now yeah it's it's wild so it definitely informed my bigger paintings that's amazing yeah and it's uh there's a everything you're saying there there is a, a a strange intimacy in these mm-hmm. paintings that uh, is more than just the size. It's more than just yeah. the content. Um, and I think there, you know, it's just so where it hits me the most is that you have these paintings that are constructed from what are for all intents and purposes, throwaway images. Yeah. Yeah. So you're taking these things from like you were saying, maybe something you're just kind of rapid fire going mm-hmm. through in a matter of seconds, Yeah. spending time with it, creating this intimate object, and then you're posting the intimate object yeah, yeah. into a space, even within social media, that's supposed to be a little, a little more, has a little more lifespan to it. Yeah. So have you, um, have you noticed any ways that you interact with social media changing through this process? Absolutely. Like, when I started the project, I began looking at social media like differently. I was experiencing it differently because I was looking for paintings. Mm-hmm. So that changes the way you're looking, um, you know, because you become so like kind of repetitive and like mm-hmm. zombie like when you're on like Instagram <laughs> and like TikTok and stuff. So it was just like an exciting shift. I was like searching instead of just kind of like glazing over and like falling asleep. 
ever. I mean, it's nice. It's it's yeah. like a shift almost from like you know consuming to something like I don't know, maybe it's too strong a word, but productive. Yeah, know? yeah. Right. Um, instead of it being the thing that we kind of sit back and say, "Oh, this is where I kind of regain my energy because I'm just yeah. I'm just absorbing." And now there's some generative. Yeah, and not even that because I feel like the relationship artists have with social media is so difficult it's Mm. so complicated now because you know we feel pressure to create because that's all we see we just see content yeah um so i think making work that is that content (laughs) gave me like oh like i like this is perfect i don't have to stress about like oh well people like my work they're gonna want to share it because Mm -hmm. i'm painting the people i'm interacting with so it's like I don't know. It's like creating this really positive relationship with social media or like taking advantage of it, maybe. Yeah. In a way. yeah. And it's almost like it seems that some people like even in the creation of those uh, images for stories, like understand the disposability of them. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like you're you're reinforcing their value as like people. Yeah. Just by like taking a snapshot and saying, hey, we can keep this around for a while. Yeah. It's really weird to think about it as like immortalizing people in some way um yeah i mean the works are almost like this anthropological like collection (laughs) or like a study of like human behavior human documentation it's just super weird to think about it like that well you were mentioning kind of like your you know academic drawing kind of being Mm -hmm. this place where in college you kind of took off and then moving away from that in some ways um so you know your work is positioned within the canon of portraiture. Yeah, yeah. But this is very, like, honest portraiture as mm. opposed to maybe what we might classically see within a yeah. museum. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how do, you, how do you see your work kind of fitting into that giant spectrum mm. of portraiture? Are there any things that you um, – I don't know. Is there anything that you feel like your work um, kind of brings out that's more truthful or more helpful or anything mm. like that? Might be a tough question. I, I mean, know. it's there's so much there though. Like, uh, I think I'm mostly thinking about how we engage with portraiture and documentation mm-hmm. right now. So, like, how we present ourselves to the world um, through social media, and like, just thinking about how much we put into social media. Like, we kind of pour ourselves into it, just waiting for a response. Mm-hmm. So, I think the work is kind of a response. It's like, I, I see you, I'm looking at you, I'm noticing you, I'm responding to you. Um, and that's like a shared moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, like historically painting people is a necessity, Yeah. but now we're doing it so much, we don't need to paint people. Mm. But I feel like the work creates this new and like unique connection that you wouldn't have. Yeah, because the, the, there is a similarity between some of our classical ideas of portraiture and the way that they were constructed yeah, and the way that social media does some of the same things. Yeah. Where, you know, the guy was not sitting in the courtyard on the horse. Yeah, yeah it's very curated. They're very curated. Always. Um, and that's, I think, something that's like really, really refreshing about these works is that they're mm-hmm. social media things that are not, they're not curated in the same way, but they're curated through that searching eye that yeah. you're talking about instead of just kind of the... Uh, throw it out there consumption eye it's very mm-hmm. it seems like a very uh there's a more i don't know uh painting lends uh i think an honesty and a depth to what's there in the first place just in the nature of the the time that's there everything else that's involved in that conversation um but there also seems to be something it just feels more 
true to life in some ways. Yeah, it definitely elongates the ephemeral ephemeral moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or extends it, you know, which I think which I found interesting in thinking about doing a show with you. Yeah. Um and uh you know, I'd mentioned it there's so many different reference uh points for this work in a historical sense. And I, I just wrote briefly about one uh in the catalog we did, exhibition mm-hmm. catalog, yeah. which if you want one, you know, let us know. We have them. And there's definitely they're definitely worth picking up. Put a link in the bio. Put a link in the bio. <laughs> and yeah, It'll we'll have there. them on the website and so on. So you hmm. worth, worth grabbing one. But you know, I mentioned in there that I was thinking of, I couldn't help but think about the uh, retablo paintings that are altar paintings, home paintings uh, yeah. for icon veneration and like intimate moments, mm-hmm. uh, private moments with one person in their home with this yeah. kind of altar space. And uh, you know, I I felt like these were these kind of quasi. Uh, sort of self icon venerating yeah. images that are then shared in this communal space. Yeah. Um, but almost like with a home altar, you know, like, mm-hmm. like the, the cell phone is like the altar space or that you started to see these, these connections. And the thing that I loved about these um, like these Mexican retablo paintings that mm-hmm. um, specifically are, you know, they were deeply handheld. There's like spaces where the paint is wore away because there's tears there. Mm-hmm. Like they're held. Yeah. There's like they're worn. And something about your paintings where you've let the edges be loose yeah. has that connotation or invitation for, for touch, for handheld, yeah. for handheld intimacy. Yeah, and when I presented them at another show, they were all sitting on a shelf. Mm-hmm. So that kind of creates this like, oh, I can kind of reach out and grab yeah. these. I yeah. can just take it. And whenever people would come to my studio, I would invite people to like hold them. And Which is so unusual. I mean, yeah. that's, it's not outside of that kind of uh, very particular religious context. Mm-hmm. like it's rare that you're invited to hold serious things. Yeah. Well, you know, well-made things, but that actually lend themselves to being held by hand. Mm, yeah. Um, which gets to the the concept of the book even because the book is uh, you and, and maybe a, another, all the images are actually handheld in the, yeah. context of the catalog. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love the, all the metaphor and depth mm. of meaning that's behind both the show and, and the work you did during a, a, a you know, during yeah. a time of pandemic, like my screen time, yeah. like was really like a, a diary of, yeah. um, of a relatable experience that everyone mm. was having, which was yeah. largely mm-hmm. being at home and mostly behind screen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the show is just kind of inviting people into my kind of digital experience, my digital world for the past like year, um, which is super personal, but also very universally relatable at this point. Yeah. Um, but I was also thinking about how paintings can accumulate and how like digital things, how they would accumulate as physical objects. Mm-hmm. So like I was thinking about like swiping on my phone, like where do all these images go? Like mm-hmm. how do I process all of this? You know? So I think the show is a way to process, you mm-hmm. know, those things. Yeah. Um, it's just weird. And also thinking about time. You know, like those images as like time spent mm-hmm. maybe on a phone, you know, it's like mm-hmm. how many images is like in one minute, you know, it's like really weird to see what that would look like in a physical space. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the show is, is kind of unusual too for us. I mean, we have a, our main gallery is 2,500 square feet mm-hmm. with some 28 foot, several 28 foot walls. Yeah. So, you know, or 29 foot walls. So we have these images on the wall kind of hovering mm-hmm. off the wall and to see 
these rows of six by nine inch paintings. Yeah. It's kind of like nothing we've seen before. Yeah. It's like, no, we haven't had any kind of experience yeah. like that in the gallery in all the years we've, we've done this. So it's a hyper particular experience. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to like photograph some images today, like gallery mm. shots. And it's interesting because I mean, they just, because they're so small, like, you know, you get the shot, you get the sense of the row, yeah. but you have to come in close to them, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, which I love. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things yeah. I was most excited about is like, there is a, a drawing into an intimate, what I would call is like an intimate embodiment mm -hmm. and yeah. in fleshing, or I, I wrote it in the article, like in the essay, like an unflattening, mm -hmm. you know, a kind of unflattening the front, the, the screen yeah. as you talked about. And, um, and there's a lot to scrutinize in them. But then there's a tension. It's really, it's just really interesting parallel to our experience on a phone or uh, in isolation a little bit is, is the tug to look at the next one in your periphery is there. Yeah. So yeah. you're, you're dealing with your own scale of time and ratio mm. of looking um, that keeps pulling you across the field of the paintings. Yeah. And uh, again, I, you know, and I haven't spent enough time with them yet, so I'm looking mm. forward to just being in this show for a while. Yeah. Um, and then you have, and then that produced uh, uh, another set of works yeah. that are Zoom related. Yeah, they're all sourced from Zoom calls and they all range in size. So mm -hmm. I have one by two inch paintings. Which are insane. Sourced from, you know, my Zoom class in university. So there's 16 one by two inch uh, paintings on panel to create a grid. And then I have some larger scale ones. So like one 24 by 44 inch panel painting and it's from a family zoom call mm -hmm. so it's just this range of like my experiences on zoom so family and i think one zoom grid painting is from my 21st birthday mm -hmm. that i had in quarantine <laughs> so that was a great time i'm glad i got to kind of immortalize that but yeah it's it's similar in kind of form to the Instagram paintings, yep. but they are very different. They mm -hmm. all, they all act very differently. Yeah, I was saying the ones of your family have mm -hmm. a different level of completeness. Yeah, there's something there. It's like there's a there's a if you want to call it, like I don't know how to. It's a very subjective impression, but I said to you when I was looking at both when we we're hanging the show, it's like there's a kind of love, like there's a some kind of love. There's yeah. a love in I said I mean there's a love in the paintings of these people that you yeah. paint on Instagram, but there's something else. Yeah extra for the ones of your family it's weird to be able to recognize that just from paint application yeah you know it's yeah. very strange yeah but it is there hard to hard to parse out i have to really sit and like kind of compare but it's, yeah it's there it's yeah. unmistakable and i didn't even i didn't know as much about that mm -hmm. work um because some of that work was newer it was all pretty all, new. yeah so um yeah. that's definitely those works are definitely pushing scale as well mm -hmm. like one by two inch paintings like how do you even deal with that and i think critiquing artwork on zoom really changed the way i was like thinking about making so funny because i've always said that painting is never dead because it's always interfacing or interacting with whatever prevailing technology exists yeah and so when you look at um picasso and brock and analytical cubism mm -hmm. you know they were having their first experiences for anyone with a uh, film inside a theater with the clicking yeah. of the theater and the object and the space and the inconsistencies the glitches in the images are seeing depth of field uh and figure ground relationships flip-flop mm -hmm. in in a kind of umber black and white and then you go look at their paintings and you realize they were painting what they are experiencing inside the theater 
Yeah. Um, and and then if you keep you keep moving it out, so then you get to like just jump ahead to like Gerhard Richter, who's working mm-hmm. adjacent to fo- photography completely seamlessly, and then working abstraction and has a photographic quality, but is completely yeah. abstract. And so um, once techno- once painting was no longer the prevailing technology, it was freed to wander and explore. And mm-hmm. it's always been a, a um, formidable dance partner with whatever mm-hmm. technology is there. So when you jump forward to like early computers, like mm-hmm. Albert Ullen, you know, and maybe in the late 80s, early 90s is making these digital paintings um, of like that uh, anticipate what we kind of take for granted and look back on as kind of being passe when it comes to technology. And so, but they produced really interesting paintings. So I remember pixelation was a thing for mm, yeah. a while after that, but he was even ahead of that. And then you, and then you get into glitches and you get into, and as we keep diversifying, you know, it makes me wonder about things like augmented and virtual reality and how yeah. much that can influence yeah. how we paint. And so mm. it's such an analog and primal kind of, um, uh, thing that can, uh, create such elegance, such range, such crudeness, such diversity mm-hmm. of that. It, it just, that's why I said it just doesn't die. It's just, it's, it's formidable and how it adapts and is responsive provided the artist has vision to do that. And, and, you know, uh, painting as commentary on society seems to stay relevant. Um, yeah. if you're willing to, um, listen yeah. and look. Yeah. I think with this series and like all these projects, I was like, also really tired of like nihilistic painting Mm -hmm. that I see all the time and painting that doesn't even look like painting Mm -hmm. where it's like very flattened and Mm -hmm. very like smooth I was just like and also like denialism too like just like this air of like there's nothing left to do Mm -hmm. you know but I feel like there's so much to do and there's and there's a way to make paintings like joyful Mm -hmm. and not like feel like my life is getting like sucked out of my eyes yeah. or something <laughs> yeah i think That's the really nihilism thing I, I mean gosh we could do a whole conversation on nihilism that would be fun um but i agree with you yeah, yeah i mean i think yeah the, yeah uh, whole, wholeheartedly we need some joy in the mm. in our lives and in the world so um and i definitely think that show this show produces that mm-hmm. um and and joy is not cheap it's not a shallow exchange it's, you know it, when you if you if you said like hey think about emotional things you know if you can only think of them and reading a book and this author says like, you know, you only think of things as, uh, in, in, I think it was, I think it was this particular author, but, um, in the negative and that's mm-hmm. emotional and serious, then you probably have a problem. <laughs> yeah. If you can't take joy and laughter and yeah. delight as serious emotional responses, yeah. then your emotional range is stunted. Yeah. I mean, producing work within the context of like an institution and within like academia too, there's this like, Lack of joy. Yeah, there's like, well, there's a seriousness. There's like, mm-hmm. a, I have to make something that's really thoughtful and I have to make it like really well. And like, you know, my professors are like waiting for me to make something really cool and like be able to talk about it. But I was just like, I just need to have fun mm-hmm. when I'm painting. Yeah. So when I, um, when I critiqued the Zoom grid, which was, you know, uh, paintings of my painting class and they didn't know I painted them. Mm. So we open up Zoom critique and it's just them looking back at themselves <laughs> in painting. And it was just like so fun. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so goofy and dumb, mm-hmm. but like amazing because Zoom critiques are horrible. Yeah. They're so dry. Oof. 
Yeah. So that was just like bringing joy into this horrible time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how, so, you know, the show's up for into August. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, folks, you, you got to come see it contact us we'll have uh hours of opening and and probably some different times where we'll, we'll announce like soft openings or yeah, yeah so you know you should come see it um i think it's it's one of those it's one of a kind and you're catching someone i think at a <laughs> awesome point in yeah. their career because they're just getting started but what a what an incredible start mm-hmm. um and that is something to behold because i think you're going to want to watch uh marissa's work develop it's already somewhere special so i don't I really don't know where you go from here. Um, but um, what, so what do you got on the horizon? Well, I just got a residency. Um, wow, congrats. congrats. Yeah, so it's just a month long, but. Just I a month. Th- yeah. <laughs> but having the space to work will be amazing. Yeah. I think I'm just going to take a break and then get back to work. You'll, you will use up every inch of that space. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Where I do you go so next, though? Are you, I mean, maybe you don't got to answer that question. Yeah. Are you going to continue this work? Does this mm-hmm. show do something for you as far as these pieces, these Instagram pieces, or are you going to make more? Is it, is it something you'll do the rest of your life? You know, like, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think I'll do it for the rest of my life, but I feel like, you know, I was making work about social media before these, and I feel mm-hmm. like this kind of captured a moment that I really love. So I'm going to build off of the work. And it won't be the same, but mm-hmm. I want, there, I feel like there's so much. To still figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'll be extending from this work forward. And then I'm already thinking about like a next show. Mm, thing. Already. Yeah. Mm. Just hung it last week or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, Do I'm it. Already thinking about the next one. Jump on it. But Yikes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm super excited. I was feeling really kind of scared. You know, I mean, I love having a show i feel very grateful but i'm also like what do i do next like yeah um but i've kind of i have ideas i've resolved i'm i feel just like there's so much i wanted to do for the show that i didn't even get to do yeah um, and it's a huge show yeah, yeah yeah so i think i have ideas and i'll just keep pushing forward and right you know i think I think that's the beauty is knowing that you don't have to say everything in every show and you set a giant amount in this show. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Made, I mean, you probably made over 100 pieces this last year. Oh, yeah. Just, in general, just generally working. So Yeah, and it was during the school year, and too. And that's while being in college with a major yeah. and a minor. So yeah. students that say, uh, this, you know, this is hard, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was also very lucky to um, have a studio space, which I applied for in mm-hmm. the painting department. So I was basically living in the painting department. I mean, they consider me like an honorary painting yeah. major. Like yeah. I'm, I was there with the grad students. Like we were there like yeah. every night. Um, you don't even gotta go to grad school now. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that. I don't really know. I mm-hmm. I would love to because I love school. You know, yeah. I love, I love being around um, like-minded people, all mm-hmm. being really constructive. So I probably will go to grad school, but not yeah. anytime soon. Not anytime I, I, soon. I actually confess that in, in the historic sense, I mm. do too. Otherwise, I wouldn't have two master's degrees. <laughs> yeah. But I also now, as an older person, think it's sad I had to pay so much to, to find that community. Oh, yeah. If I go to grad school, it's going to be like fully funded. Yeah, you better uh, pay me. Yeah. Trust me, when you're ready to apply, let me know. Because I have people tell me, you work deals with the school. They you yeah. go places where people are like, we are paying to have you here, which is yeah. what I got. Yeah. 
you know, I totally got what I, I wanted, thankfully, mm. but I had some serious advice because I didn't know that. Like, yeah. I didn't know how much I had, like, anyone that really wanted me would pay for me to come. Yeah. I didn't know that, like, until someone told me and sat me down, and I was like, oh, it's one of those early advocate for yourself things, you know? Yeah. I'm always like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm yeah, so thankful. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Uh, it's so yeah. hard. It's so hard to just be like, I don't know. Uh, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I was always told. You pay for undergrad, you never pay for grad school. Mm -hmm. And don't even make a list of places that won't pay you to be there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just leave them off the list. Yeah. Yep. Not worth it. That's actually why I didn't apply. I mean, no joke. I mean, I got into several top 10 schools in the country for my MFA. Mm -hmm. Didn't apply to Yale because mm -hmm. the lure of getting into Yale, the risk of getting in, um, knowing they don't give you scholarships, they don't pay. Yeah. They don't give you any? I don't scholarship? think so. Oh. So I was like, can't. I mean, at the time they didn't. And so I was like, I'm, I am going to let my ego go. Mm, yeah. I'm not going to risk getting in because I will be tempted to find a way to go there just based on the, who yeah. was teaching there at the time. And, uh, like Peter Halley was there and, and, uh, just the prestige. You're like, yeah. Cause the whole idea is like, you're going to Yale, you're going to get opportunities after. Yeah. And so that's the one place of the top that's 10. That's so I hard. I think I was dealing with that, not to that scale, but like, you know, applying to undergrad. Mm-hmm. I got to a point, I only applied to art schools. Um, I got to a point where I was like, it doesn't really matter where I go. Like, I'll just do my thing and I'll, you know, I'll do it. Um, but then it gets more complicated when the university comes with access to people and to opportunities. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. Yeah. Some of that's, I mean, I came to VCU and I always say, like, I learned, you know, I, I went to a community college earlier, mm -hmm. so Antelope Valley Community College, like long, many years ago. And I was thinking about this, like I, I learned like about like kind of the eccentric range of creativity, mm -hmm. if you will, um, as a coming out of high school, doing illustration and really kind of standard photorealist drawer who made, drew pictures of sports athletes and old people like yeah. in comic book characters. So like mm -hmm. I learned about creativity in that sense there. And then, um, and from some great people. And then I went to, uh, CSU Sacramento and I learned everything about how to make and how to think philosophically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just expanded my horizons to, to who I am today. And then I went to VCU and I really didn't learn anything about making. Yeah. Um, but I learned how to network mm -hmm. and I experienced like celebrity culture and yeah, like just being, you know, I've said it a million times, but like, you know, I love David Reed's work and then he's in my studio. Mm -hmm. And he's given, you know, from New York and he's, he's like writing down his name and phone number in my sketchbook and saying, Hey, if you want to come work as a studio assistant, call me and just being mm -hmm. like, what in the world? So at every yeah. place I got something and I really just look at it like, it's like all of that was necessary from each place. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so there, you know, the thing is like, if I wasn't there, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, so there is something to it, but, yeah. um, but the cost, yeah. <sighs> Yeah. You know, is there another way? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a full ride to VCU. So yeah. I'm just. You just go for the next four Just uh, yeah. taking yeah. what I can from it and yeah. then heading out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you got a lot. And, you yeah. know, and I mean, truthfully, like, you know, this show wouldn't happen if you weren't. I mean, yeah. it's the time we've got to know you and mm. uh, all the endless hours in open drawing studio. Oh, Are you running yeah. down from Miguel's color class? Yeah. And then being like, you and Miguel got to meet. You and Miguel got to meet. You guys got to talk. And then like that oh. finally happened, like was yeah. great. Um, yeah. So, so many different ways that we're all, we're, we've all connected and like yeah. just seeing the outgrowth of that. Mm. And I don't think that's going to stop for you. Like, you know, cause you really are a good, um, one thing I, I've, I've noticed about you is people love you. 
<laughs> not like in a in a self-aggrandizing way. Yeah. You know, like, but people really care about you. Mm-hmm. So somehow you're like a connective glue piece for other people. Yeah. So you have some quality about you where you seem to be very caring towards others and yeah. people really care about you. And you you tend to c- connect uh, really well across diverse strata of people. Mm. And so mm-hmm. that's a gift. So you got you can't lose that. That's the known oh, be yeah. known thing. That's the it's really important. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I think that's what's holding this work together is it's all dependent on other people. Mm-hmm. It's all reliant on, you know, other people. And I've I've I feel like just moving around a lot growing up, I was like I realized really early on that the only thing that is keeping this place together is the people. So, you know, when you move, you begin to realize like it's not the place, it's just the people that you talk to and that you meet. So mm-hmm. I think that's what was getting me through VCU. I mean, Richmond is the longest I've lived in one place. Mm. So wow. Um, Same here. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Same here. It's weird. It's really it's weird. weird. Oh, but weird. I love this show because it brought so many people I haven't seen in such oh, a yeah. long time together. It's been like a year. What a great turnout. It was a fantastic yeah. opening. That was a, that was a frantic turnout. <laughs> I mean, paintings were like, Every two seconds, I want a painting, I want a book, I want a painting, oh, I want a book. Man. I was like, yeah, Cali, it's like, it's like 80 folks popped in the gallery and then the, the, the volume never decreased. It never, yeah, mm-hmm. it, just, it just kept going. People got replaced by other people. Other people all night. It was great. It Between was just, two shows. It was weird seeing people I didn't know. Yes. Like, I was <laughs> like, well, I had no concept of like who would like show up, mm-hmm. you know? But right. it was so cool. Yeah, what a what a phenomenal that was a phenomenal night. It really was. Which is another indicator of why, you know, if you're listening and you're around, come see this show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Email us at info at shockwashbase.com. And check out the catalog. If you can't make the show, buy the catalog. It's It goes to support a nonprofit. It's a catalog worth keeping. And it has, I don't know how many images in it. It's over 70. Over 70 images in it. Really, really incredible uh, record of the show mm. totally worth and it's scaled in a special way mm. to complement the it's show perfect. so yeah kind of kind of all came together so mm. do check that out and where can people find more about you marissa well i have a website uh marissa stratton.com um got instagram i got tiktok and those are you're all- rocking that tiktok <laughs> no I, I mean i make painting tiktoks yeah. um it's perfect format it's yeah. the perfect format you're dialed in <laughs> I'm feeling old. You're dialed in. You got it. Oh man. I mean. And where's the residency again? It's in Winchester. Okay. Virginia. Awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Take, squeeze the mess out of that opportunity. Oh yeah. I I always eat do. lots of pastries. I always do. For me, I'm gonna yeah. diet. I'm gonna diet. <laughs> so yes, eat pastries. That's all I eat. All okay. I eat is bread. So. Yeah. Eat pastries and drink coffee, and then just match it being say I just ate another pastry on your behalf, and yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah. I will be so glad. Yeah. Yeah. Getting me through. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, when they see me in the studio, I'm always drinking, like, kombucha and, like, crackers or something, <laughs> like, for hours. <laughs> it's really bad. Well, if you ever want to commemorate me, eat Cheetos. No, not Cheetos, Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. A lot yes. of Cheez-Its, cinnamon rolls, and coffee, and you'll be imbibing. No, I, I always had yeah. studio snacks. My mom yes. would send me a box of spicy Cheez-Its every yes. month. Yes. Oh, your mom's the best. <laughs> I like your mom even more. <laughs> I already like her a lot. Mom just keeps getting better oh mom by mom. Your parents are awesome. Yeah. Yes, they are. And uh, that really makes Dr. Snack Smell happy. So what we're going to do is <laughs> I love it. when we get the new the, the snack smells, when we get yeah. those, we'll, we'll make sure we get you some to get in your studio so yes. that people can see those. Yes. It's great advertising. It is. Oh it'll be gosh. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, with that, yeah. you got anything to add, Gary? No, this is great. This is a wonderful conversation. Um, all the information uh, from today will be in the show notes. So if you have any questions, let us know. But it'll mm-hmm. be down there. Um, like we always like to say, you're a fantastic audience. We love you. And we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bob.